Welcome to the Dr. Finlayson Fife Podcast Archive. We wanted to take a minute to remind you that the introductory price to subscribe to the Room for Two podcast ends November 1st. So we hope that you'll take the chance to subscribe while the price is still $79 for the annual subscription and $7.99 for a monthly subscription. Here's what one listener said about the Room for Two podcast. I eagerly await each Room for Two episode because it's far easier to understand the concepts when they play out in real life counseling sessions. Dr. Finlayson Fife is masterful at modeling directness with compassion. So refreshing. I can see myself in so many of these stories. I'm challenged to grow. Thanks so much for making these available. Now for this week's podcast episode. Enjoy. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. If if you don't know her name, you should. I know a lot of us binge watch whatever she produces. <laughs> so I'm just so <laughs> so grateful to to have this time with you, Jennifer. Do you want to share a little bit about yourself for our listeners? Sure, Jennifer. I uh, practice out of Chicago. That's where my office is, but I do a lot of uh, online coaching and teaching in terms of <clears throat> online courses, and then I do a lot of workshops. Uh, particularly in the Intermountain West. And um, my focus is primarily working with LDS couples and individuals and creating more intimate, passionate partnerships and do a lot with sexual self-development and and, um, relational self-development in the work I do. So, yeah. It's excellent. I'm so grateful to rub shoulders with you today. So I'm going to go ahead and read our submission sent in by a listener, and then we'll discuss it. And here's what we've got today. So she writes, I didn't know I was in a mixed orientation marriage. The marriage is just now ending and on good terms. It's been 21 years and he came out to me seven years ago. I've spent those years being aware of my husband's differing sexual interests And it was a constant attempt to balance being myself and finding pleasure for me and our sexual encounters with the knowledge that my femininity was a turnoff for him. We incorporated his homosexual turn-ons into our fantasy and our role play with anal play. I wore cologne he liked. And in order to engage him and get him turned on, I bent over backwards to to accommodate his interests. I became hyper aware of keeping his attractions involved and I felt less and less seen. Now I worry about being able to focus on myself or even better to forget myself during a future sexual encounter. I feel like my femininity, my vagina, my breasts, my smell is somehow wrong and I worry that I won't know how to even enjoy sex as a woman or to be feminine enough for a straight man. I guess I'm just saying that I've buried the rejection and pain of not being able to just be me in my sexual experiences by disconnecting from my wants and needs not being met. How do I reconnect there with another person? I'm good at masturbating, by the way. It's how I've gotten through all the years of not having my needs met with my husband. I just took care of my extra desire I had all on my own. But I don't know how to translate that into an actual experience with another human being. It's good, but Mm -hmm. it's just so different. My soon-to-be ex-husband was my only sexual partner, and our sex life eroded until we stopped having sex almost a year ago. Having sex with Mm -hmm. someone else honestly terrifies me, especially knowing that I may date men who have more experience than me. 
My body confidence is gone. I've had seven kids, including twins, a C-section, weight gain, and I've been unattractive to my spouse for most of our marriage. It seems impossible to even feel like my body could be a turn-on at this point. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, yeah, that's hard. I mean, I think the first thing I want to say is some sense really good for both of you, both husband and wife in that marriage that you did as much as you did to try and make it work. You know, it sounds like at least while getting some of the kids raised and yeah, I mean, on the one hand, some of that flexibility is as challenging as it's maybe been for the questionnaire's sense of self. And we can talk about that. There's also something quite, what's the word, respect worthy in trying to figure that out without just going into shaming your husband and trying to see if there's some way to make this work so a family can stay intact. Yeah, and, the creativity um, and yes. flexibility is honorable here of what yeah, we've tried to. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's noteworthy. Yeah. Um, so, but it, it also sounds like it's been painful to the questioner's sense of self and I... I I can see why, because, you know, in the intimacy of marriage, when you bring your most vulnerable self in your, the form of your sexuality to find welcome there and to find that you're desired, that, you know, the part of yourself that, for like for all of us, right, that would probably gross out a lot of other people, right, to be <laughs> with any of us in this intimate way, okay, that with your spouse to find acceptance and desire is highly validating and highly powerful stuff Yeah. in terms of self-acceptance, you know, to, to really be loved by someone and loved sexually and desired is big, big impact to your brain and to your sense of self and in the most positive sense. And so when people are lacking it in marriage, you know, they very hard on the marriage because it's very hard on one's sense of self and so it's very normal what she's saying and so the, the, the second thing is that while rejection is always hard I think that the, the sexual rejection is particularly potent because the meanings that are alive during sex they kind of wire into our brain in a different way because all the neurobiological research points to this, that that during arousal states, right, and even, right. you know, hyperarousal, the brain is, is highly plastic. And so the brain wires up during these meaning states. And so when you, that's why sexual trauma, not only because often people are young when they go through sexual trauma, and so their brains are very plastic at that point, but also because the negative meaning is happening in a state of arousal. And so it's high, high impact behavior on brain development. So even in the marriage to feel like the, the fundamental essence of who I am, my, my husband rejects, doesn't want, doesn't find desirable, even if he values me as a person, sounds like as if it's an amicable divorce that that can kind of wire into our minds in a way that you have the sense of fundamental 
insufficiency that the questioner is talking about. And I mean, I, I'm certain she's wrong about that. Okay, <laughs> that this that she wasn't the problem. You know, it was her husband's sexual orientation, and perhaps for religious reasons, you know, they or maybe he didn't even fully know when they got married, but he was trying to do it, uh, make a marriage work, and couldn't. And so it's not about her, and yet it feels like it is. So I think yeah. that my, first of all, I, I have maybe two thoughts about it. I think that this may dissipate for her more quickly than she thinks when she meets somebody who is attracted to her and through whom she finds that validation. Interesting. It may feel that, you know, that she can feel in the person that, I'm gonna to speak to it from two different levels, but let me just kind of go at the validation level for a minute. Yeah. If she finds somebody or meets someone who's really attracted to her, who likes her, who wants to be with her, and she can map that about him, mm-hmm. that's also high impact stuff and it's gonna validate that, okay, you know, this was, not a function of me. This is a function of my, my, my former spouse, and and to have that high validation coming towards her is, it would be very corrective, clearly, and all of a sudden it will just feel more like, oh, okay, this is how it's supposed to feel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little bit like when I had my first child who is on the autism spectrum, and you know, it made me question my mothering ability because I would do things that felt intuitive, but they weren't the right things. And he would be screaming and, you know, doing, you know, because he was so dysregulated by the world when he was a little guy. Yeah. And and then when I had a second child, all that went away like fast because this child who was more neurotypical was much more able for me to be in sync with because he could read me and I could read him much more easily. And so a lot of my insecurity about parenting evaporated with just the presence of a different person and another data point. Mm. And it helped me understand my first child better too and understand how he wasn't able to communicate what he needed in the same way. So I was better able to see and know him through seeing and knowing another. And so so that may well be true for this questioner. but I think she's also importantly pointing to there's something kind of fractured in my sense of self and I need to get a handle on it because uh, if I start to go out and meet other people and I'm dealing with this much uncertainty, it's not really great. You know, it's not, it's a little bit dangerous for me. I mean, she's yeah. not using that language, but I think it is a little bit because who you present to the world is, you know, you're kind of teaching people how to treat you. And so if you have some fundamental self-doubt self-disrespect and it translates easily into the kinds of relationships that we create so I think that what I would honestly do if I were her is that she's saying she likes or she's good at masturbation and she's done it a lot and I think that you know there's certainly a way to relate to masturbation that is healing and and helpful and sets you up to be more prepared to be in an intimate partnership and there's a lot of research on this around sexual abuse trauma survivors right uh sexual trauma survivors that that this taking the meanings on in their own mind and the sense of control uh, for sexual trauma in particular but but challenging those meanings through masturbation it can be very healing so i think on 
this person's front, what I would suggest is that she use that process to rewire her brain. Because again, when you're in a state of arousal, it's more plastic. So the meanings that you're putting in, the meanings that you are engaging in and working with in your mind can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. And so I might be thinking about the issue of, if I were her, of my desirability, you know, to be thinking about self-acceptance, right? To be thinking about coming to peace with your own body, with coming to peace with your mind and the things that make you a desirable person to be with. Mm. I would also imagine being loved and desired by a man. I would imagine and create my eroticism around that meaning of finding acceptance, finding someone who sees you as beautiful and desirable. With the idea of that state of plasticity in your mind during some self-exploration can create the more solid reality that it's possible. That's right. Exactly. It's actually a way to kind of rework those meanings and make you more able to really see yourself accurately. And this isn't about orgasm. That's not really the point of it. It's more about the state of, of, of arousal and hyperplasticity and working with meanings that make you more able to be in an intimate marriage. Right, so orgasm isn't even the, necessarily the point of it. Right. Because Which I think is sometimes misrepresented or misunderstood. Sorry, say that again. <laughs> I think sometimes that's misunderstood when we're talking about masturbation is it being short-circuited as well you just want a quick easy orgasm and that there's actually some other meaningful things that could happen in that process yes and and, you know and exactly there's you know to be clear there are things that people can do with masturbation that are just self-destructive or not good okay meaning being indulgent not not living your life not (laughs) you know if it was true, a replacement for real relationships, all those things are clearly things that could work against any individual, and I think that that matters. But I think that there is also ways that you can relate to your sexuality that makes you more capable of being in an intimate marriage, and I think that's worth thinking about. Is, is there some way I can shift my relationship to myself? I think that a lot of positive development happens in our sexuality before we actually partner. Uh, for some people, the people that partner well have been in a state of moving into deeper self-acceptance, deeper sexual self-acceptance before they actually find someone to love and marry. And I think that those are the people in the dissertation research that I've done and also my experience of people clinically that the more you can come into a deeper self-acceptance, the more able you are to actually share yourself and open yourself up to another person because you're not hinging your whole sense of self on their approval. That's yeah. what I think the question I was afraid of here is like, I'm terrified of it because what if I get two data points, right? And I'm not enough, then what? And I think that 
what has been challenged and, and you know you're functioning about yourself you, perception can really be challenged through a relationship meaning if you subject your mind to a rejecting other over long periods of time it can be a really you're you're it can suppress your functioning it can make it harder to see yourself accurately if somebody's in an abusive i'm not saying this woman was but someone's in a uh, partnered with somebody who is manipulating them all the time or devaluing them all the time, it can be very, very challenging to keep track of a real picture of yourself. And so, so it's it, it, it's it's worth being concerned about if I get two data points that reject me. But mm-hmm. the antidote to it is how do I develop a more solid relationship to myself and accepting of my sexuality. An accepting of my body and um, I think that that could be a very positive way to work with those meetings I also think I would just ask myself what do I need to uh, deal with or address in myself outside of that realm to be clear that I am a choosable woman hmm. and I don't mean you know desirable in the conventional sense that you have to look like somebody in a magazine or something but are there things that I need to do to see myself as feminine and as desirable. I think it's a very important part of sexuality, and especially for women, you know, to sometimes we, we try to hide our femininity and we're afraid of it a little bit. And we've often been taught to be afraid of it, um, but it's very self-rejecting. And so are there ways that I can re-embrace my femininity for me even, mm-hmm. an important part of myself that my husband, my former husband couldn't relate to or couldn't uh, value. And can I do that for myself now? Can I dress in a way that I find attractive? Can I relate to my body in a way that, you know, I know that I start to have more confidence in the idea that to be drawn to it would be good judgment on the part of a heterosexual man. So, yeah, so those are my thoughts. I love it. Thank you so much. This was just such a a great treat for me to just sit and osmosis up some of the wisdom of Jennifer Finlayson Five. I loved it. Thank you so much for your generosity. And if yeah. people want to find you, where can they find you, Jennifer? Yeah, they can just go to my website, finlayson-fife.com. And on there, they will find online courses that I sell as well as podcasts. They can also, and there's a workshop tab if they were interested in those. We'll be posting more events soon. And um, also, I have a podcast archive of all the podcasts I've been on that you can find on iTunes and Apple. Uh, I mean, um, you know, all of them, Google, Google play, mm-hmm. <laughs> all those stitches. So yeah. Uh-huh. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and found this information helpful, we ask that you rate review and share the podcast so that more people can find and benefit from it. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Finlayson Fife and the work that she does, follow the link in the show notes below to find more information about her online courses, upcoming events, and her free Facebook group.